it gives you chills, doesn't it? That was the sound, of course, of a full Vicarage Road, and it was absolutely amazing for football to be back, reunited with fans after what has felt forever. Um, hello, if you've not joined us before, and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. My name is Matt Messiano. Alongside me are football analyst Jordan Weimer and football journalist Tom Bedell. Guys, how fantastic was that intro? And, and the, it, oh, it's just great. The atmosphere is back. Halftime pies are back. Programs in your hand physically are back. In essence, fans are back and it is beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it was good to see. Obviously, I wasn't there, unfortunately. I wish I was. But, I mean, even just watching the game on TV, it's, it makes a huge difference just to have people back in the stadium. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very jealous that you uh, you got to go to this one. Being a cynical, miserable old git I am, I've I've thought during this pandemic year of, of football, eh, does it really matter if fans aren't there? You know, football without, football without fans is nothing thing. Just, oh, get a grip of yourselves. However, what I will say is it looks wrong without fans, doesn't it? For As a television spectacle, and it sounds wrong and it just seems less important. So when with full stadiums over the weekend, it was pretty... Uh, I realised I was wrong, in, is what I'm trying to say in short. So, yeah. What I will say on the fan thing, real quick, what I will say on the fan thing, um, having been someone that had a season ticket for like 15 years and then moving away and not having the the ability to go to games it was i mean for the most of the time i've been here and um, the pandemic's been going on so it was i kind of became quite used to the to the fact of not being at games and everyone wasn't at games and it now it's going to seeing everyone coming back it does feel kind of strange i do miss it a lot but as i said it does even just feel better just to see people in the stadium from from here <laughs> And, and you've got to say, guys, that was a, a pretty decent start for the uh, the Mighty Hornets. I don't know if everyone expected that. I, I know I was a little bit nervy going into the game, especially when I saw that team sheet come out before as well. I mean, Jordan, Tom, what did you what did you think at two o'clock when that was released? I mean, I mean, I mean in my head, I was thinking, why isn't Sherelta starting? Why is Cathcart seemingly at right back? All these questions were going through my mind. What, what about you guys? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, regardless of the result, I still think the lineup was questionable when you first saw it. I think everyone had a, had a right to be slightly concerned when they saw that. Um, yeah, the, but the back line in particular, I think Serialto was maybe a, a case of not having enough minutes in preseason and a little bit of a hangover from his international duty. Maybe there's some injuries in there, not entirely sure, but there were some question marks going into whether he'd be available. So given that, it was kind of understandable, but still disappointing to see. The, the question that was at right back, definitely. I mean, if Femeni is out, you would expect Ngaku would be mm. kind of next in line. I know I know against Norwich, Cathcart played, but if I recall correctly, both Ngaku and Femeni were both out of that one. So Cathcart filled in and it, it's not he does a bad job there. We just know you're going to have a little bit of a lack of support. And I thought in this one, I was concerned that we wouldn't be able to 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 utilize Sar as much as we had done in the championship, but um, Sar didn't really have too much trouble against Target, and we were able just to kind of isolate things one on one. So, yeah, lineup from the beginning was a little bit concerning, and then obviously in midfield too, we we felt like we were missing whether it be Chalibur or Hughes, Hughes in particular. Um, but we we just couldn't really do that when uh, when they've obviously got their own situations going on right now, and it wasn't clear. And then finally, I thought the front line was probably the positive for me in terms of looking at that lineup just when it came out, because uh, mm. we clearly were going in a different direction than a lot of us thought we'd go with in, in regards to starting Deany. Um, and we went for a little bit of a little bit more mobility, and uh, yeah, that was, a, that was that was probably the biggest positive for me. Yeah, Tom, was you surprised by that? Because I know I was expecting Deany to start just based on what we'd seen in the friendlies, but uh, it was it was Dennis that was deployed in that role. Yeah, I was really surprised. I must admit, I kind of thought being as, as you say as heavily involved as he was and the fact that 
he always seems to score against Aston Villa and first game back and Pedro missing and just all these little kind of factors. I just thought it was inevitable he would start and obviously that would annoy me, so it would be perfect. Um, so yeah, I was pleasantly surprised that he didn't start basically and I hope that the performance of Dennis, who was obviously excellent and Saar and you know the general kind of, we talked about it a lot last season in terms of Saar and Pedro up front, but the general kind of mobility and, and fluidity of those, that kind of forward line as a whole, you know, as, as kind of outlined a blueprint that we can build from for the rest of the season. Troy Dini has his place, but it is, you know, as plan B coming off the bench or coming off the bench to help see out a win. And in that regard, he did his job. I think it's also positive, seemingly based off this selection. Um, you could you could come away with the, the thought that Shishko it finds it seems it's more it feels like it's more important to have the actual blueprint of that forward line being able to have that mobility and a little bit of flexibility there he sees that as being more important than just bringing Troy in because he's kind of next in line or kind of pushing for that starting position it's more about the team performance over the individual because I could I could forgive him in some respects of bringing Troy into that team uh, when Joe Pedro's out he was the guy that was kind of keeping Troy out last year when Troy did return to fitness so uh, the fact that he went with Dennis and went for something a little bit different, I think, is is a really positive sign. And hopefully it's an early indication that we can kind of ease our nerves a little bit on that. So I think quite a few people were concerned that now Troy is available and he's fit from the start. We might look to uh, try and incorporate him a little bit more often or from the start in, in most games. So I think I could say that's pretty positive, personally. Yeah, and the four three three formation, uh, we we presumed it might be that based on what we'd seen, but it's uh, it's a bold statement, isn't it, from Cisco carrying on from from what they were doing so well in the championship. A lot of people thought they might alter that a little bit to accommodate for the Premier League being you know a different game, but um, no, he stuck with his guns four three three, and you know so far it's working. Yeah, it gives you a little bit of flexibility, I think, as well, doesn't it? That those two wide players can drop in, and it becomes kind of 4-1, 4-1, not that, you know, Ishmael Asar is renowned for his defensive ability, but it just makes it, you know, a little bit more solid if you've got those, uh, you know, that kind of deeper midfield line. Um, I was probably not surprised, though, I have to say, because I just think that it, it strikes me that Chisco is just very committed to this kind of style of play. And, you know, I don't, I don't think that he necessarily knows another way to set his team up, particularly. And that, you know, that might be the reason we have a great season or it might be the reason that he's out of job by November. I think, too, with um, with the four three three, it's a little bit different um, from what we were doing in the Championship in the sense we weren't looking to retain possession as much. We weren't trying to control the game. Um, in the Championship, a lot of time we'd have the majority of possession. We are looking to hold the ball and kind of break teams down a little bit more patiently and then try and find that route to Saar. This this way, it, it can suit us. I think, I think we do have some attributes or some, some characteristics in the team that set us up nicely to be uh, a counter-attacking side, especially with some of that pace and power. Um, in the wide areas but also with Saar too I think he also does a lot of his defending heart of the pitch because really not many teams no matter how good they are not many teams are going to overcommit from left back when they're playing against Saar it's just not worth it unless it's in a situation where um, they're chasing uh, you know chasing to try and get ahead or try and equalise and I just don't really see uh, too many teams giving him too much space so Saar can play a little bit further forward and obviously that helps us a lot and then on the on the other side of things I thought Ken Semmer he wasn't the most effective in forward areas, forward areas, not as much as he can be anyway, but he's going to give you that up and down. And I think you can you can feel relatively comfortable defensively still, even though you actually got some offensive threat too, which is really what we're trying to find is just that balance between the two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Saar was 
on fire and we could probably spend this whole podcast talking about him does he get a bit more time on the ball or is that just a myth jordan um i would say this i mean slightly contrary to what i just said in regards to teams not allowing him to to have too much space in the sense they're not going to want him to they're not going to want to have him isolated too often but they're also going to have that mindset where they're not going to want to allocate so many resources to stopping him because most teams will feel like they should be beating us um, so he will have a little bit more space in the sense that he won't be double marked as he often was. I don't think he'd have as many occasions where the left winger is also dropping deep to, to kind of stop him from overpowering that right-hand side. Um, so I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity. And that's something we saw in the Premier League last time with Saar too. Um, under Pearson, kind of our best counter-attacking route was through Saar. We just weren't great at getting the ball to him at times. I think we're better at doing so now. Um and I'm sure there will be occasions where teams will try and stop him. But I do think we are starting to accumulate enough quality in other areas that we can still hurt teams. Um, but he's obviously going to be an important weapon uh, for us. In regards to the new guys, I don't, I'm just going to say, I, don't think there's, I can't think of a better game for debuts. I know there was three debuts in that game. Four debuts? Um, but was it, who was the fourth? Who am I thinking? Who so I'm you've got Etibo, Kushka, Dennis and Kuch Hernandez. Oh, Atibo, Atibo, that's um, Yeah, okay, Atibo too. I think that's probably the best debut performances I've seen. I mean, you can pick out any of those individual performances. They've all done incredibly well, but as a collective, it was, uh, it was extremely impressive. Well, let's start with Dennis, because one of the things I wanted to talk about him was I was so impressed with what he did when he didn't have the ball, which, um, which maybe everyone perhaps didn't pick up on, but he was tracking back, he was tackling, he was sticking his leg in where it needed to be, winning the ball back, and it just seemed like a completely different type of forward performance that um, that we haven't seen so often at, at, at Vicarage Road, and it was it was a delight to see. Yeah, it, he's he's a busy player. Um, we've talked about kind of some of the qualities that someone like Tom Cleverley brings to midfield. I think you can see some of that in Dennis. You could tell that he was just up for that game and he was he was putting everything in there. He kind of was getting knocked to the ankle, obviously eventually went off injured. Um, mm. But it comes from his commitment and he was just around everywhere. And in a team like Watford now where we're at, if we're going to be a little bit more of a counter-attacking team, a little bit more direct at times, I think having having someone that's able to harry the opposition like that and stop them playing out from the back, honestly, it's a sort of defensive, um, it also, it's a sort of defensive work that you would have hoped we'd see from Andre Gray. Um, but he's done that at times, but I think Dennis does it a little bit more sufficiently. Um, and then obviously he had a goal threat too he scored the goal but I will say just off the ball again um, his movement was really good there were times where we were having the ball down, the, down the, in the wide areas or even through midfield and his timing of the run was very good he didn't get used to often but I really liked the positions he was taking up um, and I think he just looked a real a real kind of handful for the opposition it just gave us a lot um, we've talked previously about strikers that offer something outside of just scoring goals and I think Dennis would do that a lot for us uh, especially if he continues to play in the same vein that he did uh, on Saturday. Yeah, Pacey as well. And I can see him linking up with, with either Saar or Summer, or even, even Hernandez, you know, mm-hmm. plenty of times throughout the season. It's, it's exciting. Now, Tom, I'm going to come on to a player here who I know you're going to absolutely love because I know the type of player that you like. You like him uh, big and getting stuck in. And Kushka, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, uh, is... Is exactly that. So tell me, is that is that the case? Do you do you like him? Do you like him? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. You? Yeah, I know you. He's um, <laughs> I'm, I'm easy. I'm easy pleased, aren't I, Matt? He's um, 
He's just a horrible bastard, isn't he? Basically. He just looks he looks like one and he plays like one. And I just think there was a lot of scepticism, wasn't there, when he resigned him. And I must admit, I'd, I'd heard the name, I was aware of him from a reasonable number of years ago now, I think, when he was at AC Milan. And, you know, my knowledge of him went no further than that. I can't pretend to be an expert in him. Well, I can't even pretend to be a, a novice in him. Um, but it did seem like a bit of a... It did stop it. It did seem like a bit of a, a signing that was a little bit out of kilter with the other signs we made, particularly... Mm. With what um, Duxbury, you know, made a big point of saying over the summer about, you know, young players and what have you. But he's got, and not just because of the position and what have you and the the, the sort of physical similarities, maybe. He's got maybe a little bit of that of kind of Val about him where he's just going to come in and do the, you know, the unglamorous, un, unfashionable kind of stuff and really just give us that, that bit of grit and determination in midfield. So... Yeah, I think it was a really, really impressive debut from him, from someone that was probably the least high profile of our kind of summer signings. And, you know, immediately you think he's going to be a really important part of anything good we do this season. I wouldn't be surprised if his numbers were pretty good in terms of uh, tackles won. Yeah, he, he's, yeah he, he did pretty well in his defensive duel. I did actually post about it, but I believe he won about 75%. And um, look. yeah, he won 75% of his defensive duels. So that's eight out of six. He recovered the ball 10 times. He, he got all over the pitch and I thought he was good in possession. He was calm in possession. He kind of used the ball well. He won the ball well. He just he just had a really good game and he, he just travelled around the pitch nicely and just did everything you needed of him. Um, in terms of his just signing in general, I think I know there's a lot of criticism of of the signing when it happened and kind of a lot of quotes back to, um, to Duxbury's statement in regards to kind of age profile of players we're looking at. Um, but look, I mean, for me, it's not an issue at all. It's a short-term deal. And with the situation that's going on with Will Hughes and Nathaniel Chalaber, bringing in some extra cover in midfield is not, not a problem. And sometimes... Sometimes you have to bring these players in. Sometimes you need veterans. You can't always just bring in these younger guys and and have them kind of come in these longer term contracts and hope to get like a bit of a sell on in the future. You need some guys that are just there to be playing now. Short term deals, short term players, and, and who knows? Kucha could be longer. He could be shorter. It just depends. He's thirty four years old, but he's someone that does a job right now. We need someone that's ready for that, and he showed from the beginning of that game that he is. Um, we still could do with that extra depth and, and quality of Nathaniel Chabber and Will Hughes. But on the surface of things, no issues with Chucha coming in there and uh, he put in a really, really good performance and arguably for me was man of the match. Well, I'll come on to that question then before we discuss the Tebow as well because it it seems as though with, with Kucha coming in that um, perhaps that does solidify things up more and maybe we don't need that extra midfielder. But if we don't get either Will Hughes or... Nathaniel Chalaber to start on the dotted line. It feels as though Hughes is, is getting further and further away. There are reports in the news that uh, that he's talking to Palace, which, to be to be fair, does, doesn't seem like that's much of a step up for him. I don't know if that's the sort of club that he was that he was hoping for, if indeed he was looking to move away. But if we can't get either Hughes and Chalaber to to sign, then do you think we need one more midfielder, or or do you think Kuchka was is is that guy that can fill that position? Well, I think if we don't get if we don't retain either of Hughes and Chad, but we are looking a little thin. Um, I know we have Gosling, uh, I know we have Queener, but I, I do think that over the course of the season we're going to have some injuries. You have to, in my opinion, you've got to account for a seat. You have to try and account for a season-ending injury in every position, in every position group. 
um, and, and be relatively confident you've got enough stability there to, to bring someone in that can cover a role for an extended period. You can't just expect to lose players for one or two games because, you know, you, th- you get things that happen to, you know, Tom Dele Bashiri, he, he out yeah. for the season after, you know, a couple of games and you have to be prepared somewhat. Otherwise, it could be extremely detrimental to your season. It could cost you, could cost you safety in another season in Premier League. So as we are now, you might feel comfortable with how that midfield three worked and operated in this game. But just from a kind of recruitment perspective, I'm looking at that and thinking, okay, what happens if what happens if we lose a Tebow for the rest of the season? I know it's a very negative way, but you have to think worst case scenario. Um, and that's definitely one of them. So at this point, I would only really feel comfortable if we were to re-sign Will Hughes or Nathaniel Chalaba, both ideally, but if not, then one of them and possibly bring someone in. But I think what will happen is if we don't re-sign Chalabert or Hughes, I don't expect us to bring another midfielder in at this point. I might be wrong, but that's just the kind of feeling I get. We do have Loser as well, who we, we haven't mentioned. Yeah, 100%. And I think Loser will play a big part in the midfield as the season goes on too. I think he'll be very useful. Um, but still, it, it, that does leave us with a relatively thin midfield. If you're thinking of Loser, um, Kucha and Atibo in there, Cleverly, Gosling, Queener. I think after you get past those first three, you start to feel less and less confident about how that midfield mm. looks and operates. Am I the only one thinking, regardless, we need something and probably a more creative type? I think loser right will do that to an extent from kind of deeper positions, but I'm almost thinking someone that can carry the ball a bit and you know make progressive passes and what have you. Um, we had that though, Tom. We just decided it wasn't necessary. That's uh, well. I was going to say, dare I say it, the kind of Philip Zinkenagel replacement. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm still not happy that that loan took place, but I understand it. I understand no, no. Well, no, I, I, I do agree. I, I think, I don't think we are planning to play with a number ten very often this season. I think most of our threat would plan to be down those wings and kind of using that pace and and counter attacking and having players that are mobile in midfield to kind of pick up that slack and. You know, if you if you try to put a squad together, then maybe you see Zinconegla surplus to requirements. Personally, I feel like he was an option wide where we still aren't quite as strong as we could. Be. Okay, I know we're kind of going off of the Zinconegla stuff now. And apologies for taking yeah, us off on this tangent. Just take but, where he goes. Yeah, no, I mean, if if I'm looking at the team, I look at that right hand side, and I do, I do wonder if we if we could do a little bit more strength there. I know we have Dennis that can play wide. I know Chucho's there. Uh, I know I know we've also got Gasema who can play wide. But, uh, okay, eyes of success as well, you could say. But I would feel better by ha- with having Zinkanegel in that team and having the option to use him from that wide position because that is his best position. But also on top of that, we've seen from last season that he can offer you something in the centre of the pitch. And if we were to get rid of him, I'm sure the player wants to play. Um, I'm sure he's looking for the opportunity and he's going to get that in the Championship so that's that's fair enough. I understand that from his position, but from our position, we're under no real obligation to get rid of him. And the strength or the, the strength that we gain from from getting rid of him is is not much. We're not getting a not getting a, a fee particularly. Maybe his wages off the books, but I don't imagine they're particularly high relative to some of the others. Um, so the gain we get from this deal to me is pretty minimum, unless we have someone else coming in that can replace that sort of productivity or potential productivity. Um, so a, 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 a move like that just to me makes us feel or makes me feel that the team is a little bit weaker than it was previously, which is never a good feeling when you're going into you know, a really important season. So it is disappointing um, for me and I'm sure for a lot of others too. And I will admit that I I do like Zinconegel as a player and maybe I could 
maybe I defend him too much in, in times where he has been criticised, but I am pretty confident that he's someone that could offer something to the squad. We do have a, a recall option, don't we, in January? Should that be required? Mm. Why Why do you sign a guy like him at that point in the season with the expectation of trying to win promotion or hope of winning promotion to then park him out on loan? Because if you don't go up, you lose Saar and they want to have... Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, it just just seems like a lack of... Or lack of football foresight, I guess maybe then they say, oh, but he does well. He gets, you know, his value as a Premier League cast off is more than as a championship player. So if we sell him to Forest now, we'll make a nice profit or in a year's time, sorry, we'll make a nice profit on him. It just, I don't know, just as a player, would you not be a bit put out if... Yeah, you're a bit put out. I'm not saying we've done anything wrong, but... You know, I'd be a bit. Uh, cheers, guys. I think, well, I think I think some level of recruitment is hedging your bets a little bit, and you've got to try and find. You've got to try and account for multiple scenarios happening. And I think the signing had a lot of value to it in the sense that he was free and he could come in, and you feel like he could contribute during the season, but also offer some offer some backup and also some insurance should Saar be off or have an injury or all these kind of circumstances. We also found a way of using him in the championship, which was different to what we probably expected when we first brought him in. Uh, in terms of using him centrally. But from the player's perspective, I'm sure he's got a pretty good contract. Um, he gets to remain in that contract and he gets to play football, so it's not ideal. But I think when, you are, when you're a professional footballer, you have to accept there are going to be some inconveniences in your, a rare of inconveniences in your career that put you in some positions you don't necessarily want to be in or didn't foresee happening. But I also think they get quite good at adapting to that and just kind of going with the flow and finding a, 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 finding a club or a, a team that kind of suits them at, at that time. And right now it looks like Forrest is that for him. So whilst I'm sure it's a little bit frustrating, I don't think it's the biggest deal. For me, it's more about the fact that the, the, team, is, the team is weaker and that's kind of our main concern. It'll be certainly weaker without Hughes and, and Chalaba this season as well. That Kuka uh, mm. signing was is he um, meant to be the replacement for Hughes or for Chalaba? What what sort of role is he taking I'm, up here? I don't think it's a direct replacement for either. I think it's just bringing in a midfielder that we feel has some traits that we like and has some quality, um, and that's kind of the main impetus behind it. We're not really bringing in someone that replicates what either of those two do. Um, and that's one of the problems we might face in terms of armoured fields. We have to change how it operates. Sorry about this, guys. Background guys. Oh, I have a word. Come on, fuck. Yeah, I'm not even sure what that is. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it, it changes how the midfield operates, and we we have to kind of restructure things a little bit. And the shape was different uh, on Saturday. The way we had our midfield set up, we didn't really have that deeper player that was breaking up possession as much as Will Hughes would be, would be and then have those two in front of him. Uh, both Kushka and, and Atibo would operate a little bit deeper. They could win the ball back and they could use it quite cleanly. Um, but it's a different kind of balance in that midfield and I think that's what we kind of have to do is find a different way of playing. But it's more of a, yeah, Kushka is more of a body coming in to, to add depth to that, to that team and, and just try and find alternatives. And also too, he's someone that supplements the team should Will Hughes return. Well, fingers crossed. Uh, let's get back to the team then that did play. And uh, we've we've mentioned Kuchka and Dennis, but Itibo uh, was also making his debut and he looked very handy as well alongside Cleverly and Kuchka in the midfield. What sort of job did he do, Jordan? Yeah, Itibo, he, he, he sat nice and deep, uh, same as Kuchka did at times too. Um, but he's someone that just was operating in front of that back four, but could still get up and down. He's got a good engine on him. Uh, he moves from side to side. He's always available to, to receive the pass. And when he does get the ball, he's quite comfortable in those deeper positions under pressure. 
Um, he still was comfortable to receive that ball and, and look to play forwards. I think he can offer more going forwards too, but in this game, it was more about controlling that possession when we had it and just finding a way to hang on to the ball in those dangerous situations. And I thought he was, I thought he was excellent, actually. He, he got into the right positions defensively and I just thought it was a really smart performance from him. You can tell he's an intelligent football player and he's got the actual physical ability to back it up too. So in terms of signings, I think just from those early signs and what we've seen in pre-season, um, I think it's a real, real positive and a lot of different players, I think you kind of get a few similarities to what we had in Decore, just in terms of being that option, that deeper yeah. position, um, and, and someone that can carry the ball at times as well. He looked very good, I'm sure. He'll, uh, he'll have a few Hornet fans putting his name on the back of their shirt. Probably not as many as will be putting the name of this next person on the back of their shirt, though. He came on as a substitute. He's uh, been on the, the club's books for, for five-odd years, but uh, he finally got to make his appearance. And within, what was it, 50 seconds or something, he had scored a wonder goal. Tom, Kucho uh, Hernandez. He's another one I love already. Um, he just seems like fun, doesn't he? He just, if you're being really lazy and sort of stereotypically, he just seems very South American and fun, just like, you know, the the, the bicycle kick thing in the, the, it was West Brom, wasn't it? The friendly, where he, he tried two bicycle kicks in one friendly. I mean, that's <laughs> some going, isn't it? Um, I've, I've enjoyed him. I'm... Still a little bit surprised. I talk, one of my colleagues at work is Colombian and he mentioned him on our stand-up this morning. I was still a little bit surprised that he was involved or has been as involved as he has been. Um, just a weird sentence. Um, <laughs> because I, I just kind of expect these guys to go away, have a bit of excitement and build up around them and then and then never come back. Um, it's happened too many times before, hasn't it, with, with Purvis Estupinan and... Uh, Luis Suarez and what have mm. you so for him to actually come back and be involved was quite quite something 49 seconds it was according to Opsa between coming off the bench and his goal and, and what an impact and I just think he's another one to throw into the mix um, that gives you some options that we didn't previously have which or an, an option I should say which we didn't previously have so I feel uh I'm excited about him to see what he, you know, really brings over the over the course of the season. Yeah, Jordan, you must like him as well. Yeah, I mean, he's as, as Tom's saying there, I pretty much kind of feel the exact same way. He offers you something different. Um, he's an extra addition, someone that can bring in that kind of pace and, and energy. Um, he can work both ways, but he's also a goal threat too, which from that left hand side is is really nice. I mean, Ken Ken does a good job out there, but having that right footer cutting in obviously you get to see from the goal there but it's a different way of attacking space and a different way of attacking the goal um you also think about the options we have in that forward line uh the likes of pedro coming in there you know dennis can be involved Saar. it's a lot of different there's a lot of variety and a lot of different ways we can play against the opposition which is what we want we want different avenues towards goals so he's one he's one player that gives us that um and i think there's a lot to be positive about i think that front line is something that looked very kind of over full in terms of personnel and maybe a little bit erratic at times. But I think now after seeing that performance, we can see there are ways to utilize them in in situations that can really benefit us, especially if we're going to be sitting a little bit deeper and looking to counter. We've got that pace, we've got that power, uh, and we've got players that are happy to take shots on. So it's, it's quite positive. And he plays with a smile on his face as well. That's what I like about him. He's, he, he just yeah. loves playing football, doesn't he? And in his interview, uh, you know, he said he just wants to, you know, impress, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, we need those sorts of players. And I think, actually, I think that's something too. Um, 
I will say there's something to be said for that energy of a newly promoted team, that team that's really happy to be there and they've got that extra drive. I think the way Dennis was moving around the pitch, the way that Semmer was kind of mm. getting up and down, you have that extra little bit of eagerness which can really, really help things. And the second season can sometimes start to fade a little bit and even as you go on through that kind of the later stages of the first season. But as long as those players are putting that in there, there's no reason why this team can't perform. Um, it really can just come down to the personnel and how they can kind of continue that that sort of effort and energy on through the season. Absolutely, and they certainly did perform, um, at least up until around about the 70th minute, when it started to drop off a bit, um, to me at least, to do with the substitutions that were made around that sort of time that maybe shook us up a bit. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. And they put, in a, they put in a lot of effort from the beginning. So I think there's a little bit of fatigue in there and maybe they got a little bit confident and set back a little bit once they were kind of had that lead and that advantage and, and things started to drop a little. Um, I, I think the, the scoreline flattered Villa, quite honestly. I don't think they really... I think they really pressed us too much. I think Backman was quite comfortable for most most of the game. And yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too concerned about how things went in, that, in the final stages. It's just kind of some of the risks that you take when you let your foot off the gas a little bit. I think it's quite, quite normal. I was pretty impressed with Cabaselli at the back alongside Truste Kong. He was one of the surprise uh, players in that particular starting lineup, but he, he did a decent job, Tom. This is the thing that's worried me is the, is the defence with regards to coming up because obviously Truste Kong and Sir Alta did very, very well last season, struck up a partnership really quite quickly, but they're untested at this level. I think we know you know what their kind of their weaknesses are what their foibles are um but then after that you go oh my god we've had these guys in the premier league before and we got relegated they're older and what have you now you know they're solid guys Cathcart particularly but you just think if Trista Kong and Sir Alter aren't up to it or if they're unavailable for whatever reason then you are you would be slightly I would be slightly concerned um but yeah he he did well and to be honest with you I, I I quite like Cabaselli. I used to like him when he first came through. When he first joined, I thought, oh, you know, this guy I like. I've never seen him before in my life, kick a ball. But I like him. You know, he seems like he's he's quite reasonable in possession and what have you. Quite mobile, certainly more than some of the defenders he was taking over from. I'm thinking Pradle at that point, for example, as much as I liked him. But it just error prone seemingly in in his kind of later Watford career but no it was good it was a good start from him and I just think if uh, if there's a bit of competition then that's probably no bad thing is it because those Sir Alter and Tristan have had it pretty much their own way for for six months now and uh, there they needs to be a little bit of pressure on them hmm. let's talk about uh, the goalkeeping department then and Backman had a very solid game but um Waiting in the wings is it was Ben Foster, who, uh, as we know, has a, a fantastic channel on YouTube, the uh, the Cycling GK. Very interestingly, he uh, he's been doing his fantasy Premier League predictions, and he's he's he's, he's predicted that Watford will finish thirteenth. What do we what do we make of that, Daddy? I'm, I'm... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I, I found it quite interesting. I've never seen a, a player come out at the start of the season and say where he thinks his team is going to finish in the in the table. So I just thought it was quite uh, quite quite novel. Yeah, I mean, I I'm, honestly, I haven't really watched. I I've seen a couple seconds you don't of watch his it, stuff. Oh, it's great. I don't. It's just <laughs> it's nothing. <laughs> I'm nothing against it at all. I did well. Maybe I have. I don't know. I'm not particularly against it. I just it's just not kind of it's not my thing. Um, 
and I don't know it's weird I, I don't really I don't enjoy that whole kind of like vlogging persona thing that can kind of sometimes come around from yeah, this mean. stuff yeah. and I feel like I'm not I feel like I prefer Ben Foster as a... I feel like I'm just kind of criticizing Ben Foster now, but I think I prefer <laughs> Ben Foster as a player than I do as a YouTube personality. That's just kind of how I feel. So I don't really... I kind of stay a little bit wider these things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess 13th is a reason... is a positive kind of choice for us. I don't know. I don't really feel too strong either way. Tom. <laughs> what about you, Tom? <laughs> I do a yearly kind of prediction, Premier League prediction championship if we're in it with a friend of mine for about the last 10 years. I had a 17th, but that was reflective of my mood on Friday evening ahead of the season starting. If you ask me to <laughs> now, now we're finishing uh, first, right, Tom? You are yeah, the exactly. ear of this podcast here, Tom. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> no, um, if you ask me today, I think 13th is probably not, not too bad. And I'll tell you why. I just felt like a lot of teams are all a bit meh this season and even like in my predictions and it's going off topic a little bit but I had Arsenal and Spurs improving on last season I don't think either of them are really any better I just don't think the teams like Villa West Ham who had fantastic seasons last year are necessarily going to repeat that so they'll drop out and push everyone up but you know outside of that kind of big sort of six seven eight I think there's a lot of very similar quality teams who I just don't think you know much will separate people and you know you might see someone like a, a Brentford or what have you do or, or us you know hopefully would be lovely do surprisingly well because I just think in that kind of bottom 12 there just isn't there isn't much to separate any of these teams um, and I would certainly I would certainly include us in that so I think you know it could be very tight and we could finish anywhere between comfortably mid-table and just outside the relegation zone or relegated I don't, think, I don't think there are that many teams even you look at Villa some of the kind of transfer business, business they've done which has been obviously quite highly regarded I know obviously losing Grealish is a huge blow but I, I still think you're not not many of those teams even even the likes of Villa are far away from being in a relegation battle themselves if they had a couple of injuries or things just aren't clicking the season in the Premier League isn't that long. You don't get that many opportunities to make mistakes. And uh, I mean, we saw the last time that we got, we were in the Premier League and we got relegated. It was incredible. We had as many opportunities as we did to stay up. It was kind of mad that we actually had so many chances to avoid relegation because for such large portions, we were terrible. But that can be a testament to other teams struggling too. And it could be a similar case this time around as well. I think there are a few teams around there we can have some question marks about because in terms of standard of the league, I don't think it's the best standard that it's ever been, um, which is an opportunity for us, but it's also, you know, it can be a hazard too. On that note, who are your um, predictions for the for the rest of the Premier League? Do you think there's any... Uh, well, let's go top four, shall we, just for fun. Just for fun. Oh, no. Let's start with you, Tom. What's your, what's your top four for so the Premier League? My top four was City to win it. Chelsea to finish second, United third, Liverpool fourth. Interesting. But honestly, I think any of those top three could win it this year. I think I think Chelsea were very good under Tuchel. Obviously signed Lukaku. That will make a big difference, I think. United look, you know, their forward options are frightening to me. And obviously City are City, aren't they? They're phenomenal. So they'll probably dish us up about 15-0 over two games this season. So. No Sergio Aguero this time, though. Ah, it's a conservative estimate. Even bloody that bungler Gabriel Jesus will get a hat trick against us. So there you go. I'm, I'm actually convinced negative. this is the year. I'm convinced this is the year we win against City. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm convinced of it. Yeah, right. I think this is the year. Any rationale uh, or just it's got to happen? Even a blind squirrel occasionally finds a nut. 
<laughs> I'd say I'd say my rationale is I don't think a team is ever I don't think this Watford team is ever going to have less fear of I think this will be the least fear of City we've had um, yeah. as a team over the last few years we've had a year away from it we've got a few new guys in there that don't have that hangover from the FA Cup final there are some differences there and I think even just having a few of those players that take away you've got two I mean Playing City in the FA Cup final the same the the year after you got kind of demolished by sorry no playing City after getting demolished by them in the FA Cup final that's going to have a massive impact on you it's, it's pretty difficult to mentally recover from that and go into that game really expecting anything different I think we've had enough distance right now I wouldn't say they're necessarily the the kind of big fear and and, and stress that we had previously when playing them obviously they're a good team they could just play well and beat us comfortably that could happen but it's not quite a psychological block that like i think it maybe would have been last season and the season before that's just my opinion so if there's any rationale behind it it's that um and also that eagerness and enthusiasm i talked about from a newly promoted team i think that always is the uh, achilles heel for the kind of big big teams like those so what's your top four jordan Honestly, it's the same as Tom. I, yeah. And I'm kind of in, in the same position. It could be quite interchangeable. Um, I, it's, it's very early, isn't it, to, to try... I know we're obviously making predictions. It's just a bit of fun. But it's hard to base it off too, too much right now. But just on the surface of things, I'd say just in terms of look, looking at the, kind of the, the squads of these teams and how they've started, I'd say it's probably those those four definitely in for that that kind of top four spot. Okay. What well, you, Matt? What I'm going to go for? a bit different, actually. I'm going to go Chelsea winning, City mm-hmm. runners-up, uh, Man United, and then Leicester. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I don't hate that at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I think Liverpool is slipping up this season. I, I mean, I know they've uh, they've just impressed, haven't they? But um, I, I think Leicester, you know, Leicester can squeak that Champions What's League. What's your relegation but... prediction? Ooh, relegation prediction. Um... Relegation is much more interesting to me. It is, well, because Watford's going to be down that end. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. It was 17th, we're fine. I, who did I put? I think I had Norwich bottom, but I don't even think they're terrible. I think, I think you know, I don't think they're going to be cut off from the pack by any means, but I do think they're probably the ones I feel most confident in putting bottom. And then I've put Southampton because I just don't like their business. And uh, who was my third bottom? I might even have put, but no, I put Brighton about 11th or 12th because I thought with all the other teams that I'm less confident about, they'll just get pushed up and up. But I mean, that's clearly stupid. So um, I'm going to see if I can just bring up my Was document. Was it Newcastle the... maybe? No, I thought they would probably get away with it. I thought Burnley would get away with it because they just always do, even though they've not signed anyone and so on. Here we are. Predictions 2021, 22. I went, oh no, I did put Burnley. Ah! <laughs> so there you are. I think I'm going to go a little bit. I'm going to just, I'm going to make a claim. I don't think any of the newly promoted teams will go down. I think it's going to be, my prediction is going to be Burnley, Newcastle, and Palace. Oh, interesting. I had the same, except I was going with Brighton instead of Burnley. Mm. I, I watched, I actually went back and watched in that Burnley game, and I, I don't know. I just, I, I struggle with Burnley because I've watched them so many times and feel like they're not a particularly good football team. I just feel like they have that approach. They have a particular style of play that's worked for them for so long. I do I do think it has an expiration date. And I, do, I think they just walk in. And they're kind of limping towards it at the moment. And even with Palace too, I think there's just so many question marks there. It's so Again, it's so hard to predict, but I, I do think there are some question marks there. And I know Newcastle kind of 
they obviously didn't have a great game against West Ham. I just think there's enough Ferraris there too. And yeah, but you could also make arguments for lots of clubs around this division too that could still be dropping in around there. Even I even look at Wolves and wonder if they could be dragged in. Southampton, obviously ourselves. I'm not entirely convinced that Villa won't be involved in some capacity as well. I think you could really make quite a strong argument for all of those. Mm. Well, Brighton are, are the team who we have up next. And, and like you say, they, they beat Burnley uh, 2-1, although maybe not convincingly, but uh, but they beat them all the same. And they've been a bit downplayed this season, just like Watford, really, I suppose. They, you know, tipped for relegation by some, certainly by me. Um, but, you know, it's the old story, isn't it, Jordan and, and, and Tom? There's, uh, there's no easy game in any division. And, and you know, Brighton are going to be certainly up for this one because they'll be viewing it as, as the one they can win. Yeah, I think I always feel like the stakes and I feel like the pre- the stakes in Premier League games always feel so high. Um, you never you never go into these games and feel like it's just not a huge game because there's there's fewer of them, and you know that skill gap is is lesser in terms of these teams. We're going to be closer around. It's going to be a, a much harder fought battle than some of the games we had in the Championship. Um, that's why that year last season was almost quite refreshing in some ways because you could go into games with confidence and a different mindset. But these ones, I, I, I do just find it kind of exhausting. It's the second game and I'm already tired. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's, you, you just can't call it in a lot of ways, but I think Brighton will, will call us some problems. Um, I think Brighton, I don't know. I'm interested. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how dominant they're going to look to be in terms of the possession and, and, and how well we're going to be able to counterattack against them. I think Brighton are a smart, a smart team in the sense I think they'll look to allow us a little bit more time on the ball, um, which is possibly going to be our Achilles heel, especially with the current midfield situation. Although some of those players can progress the ball, I do think it's a weakness if we have to try and break teams down and, and find that way forward. Um, this is also something I worry about a little bit too if we were to go behind in games against these teams around us and we have to fight our way back in. I want to see how we attack teams uh, in that position. So regardless, I think we'll learn a lot from this game, but I don't think it's going to be an easy one. And I think it's going to be, uh, I kind of feel like, I'm not sure, if you, I don't even know if you asked me the question now, if you if I had a prediction, but I kind of feel like this one might be a draw. Would you change the starting 11, Tom, for this game? Good question. I would... Kucher has to have been with a shout, surely. I'd put a proper right back at right back, yeah, and I might take Ken out for for Cucho. Yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, why not? I'd do that. I don't think you need to make wholesale changes at this point. And now Jordan said, I don't think they're going to dominate the ball, which I kind of thought was the thing that Brighton did. Um, I don't really know which way is up and which way is down. <laughs> I just mean, what I would say is I, I think Brighton had the ability to be quite adaptive. Um, and I think if you're looking at Watford, if we're, if we're trying to analyse Watford here as how you're going to beat them, I, I think you have to be aware that you don't want to leave space for the wing. Uh, you don't want to kind of allow that mobility to hurt you too much. And I think at times it's sensible to allow Watford a bit of possession and try and force them to build up through the centre. If you can close off those channels, if you can make things nice and compact in those wide areas and force us to play for the middle, not really sure who you feel is, is really going to hurt you because Dennis is maybe... He's not someone that's going to take on the ball and, and drop a little bit deeper to pick it up. Maybe if Pedro is playing, he might feel like that. Or maybe if you had some more of an attacking kind of number 10 position sort of player. But if you've got Kushka and Atibo and, and Cleverly in there, don't think you're worrying too many teams in regards to how you're going to play through that middle. So that's just my opinion. If you were Brighton and looking at how to beat us, I think that would be something you'd definitely consider. Would you change 11, Jordan? Um, yeah, I probably would. I, I probably would. Um in the sense, I think the main thing for me would be fallback if the many are as fit. Uh, but I actually expect this to be an unchanged starting lineup. 
I th- I'm kind of getting the feeling that's what it will end up being. Mm. Um, purely based on the fact that Cathcart did well enough, didn't hurt us. And as much as I'm sure a lot of us will be kind of clamoring for, for, for Hernandez to start, I think he'll. Re- I think Shishko will respect kind of what Ken has done off the ball. And going into this one, he might be a little bit more cautious and, and see, see Hernandez as, as another option off the bench again. Um, maybe if there was going to be any change, it could be perhaps loser could be coming in for cleverly maybe but again i just don't really see it i think it's gonna be an unchanged oh actually no sorry i do have a correction there maybe sirialta in for cabaselli or or yeah. okay. that that's actually that's probably the most likely one thinking about it yeah i think so i think i think shishko will be pretty keen to get sirialta involved as soon as possible because he is i mean at least based off the back of last season he's our best defender um so yeah if he's available and he's actually fit to be involved then then he should be in there good stuff all right then guys um final thing then in in, in this in the spirit of of ben foster i thought we could perhaps uh stick our necks out a bit and say where we think watford will finish this season in terms of league positions just from what we've seen in that one game how how hard is that (laughs) um i am going to go for 15th 15th Yep, I'm going to bump us all the way up to 14th. 14th. And I'll go... Uh, let's go. Let's, let's join Foster and say 13th. There we go. Around that kind yeah. of lower mid-table uh, area. Although I think all of us would take that right about now, wouldn't we? Um, which is... Can I ask one more question yeah. before we wrap up? Oh, yeah, go on. You go for it. What are your thoughts on... Sorry, Tom, you better get out of the way of that one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um... What are your thoughts on the Chadwick Hughes stuff? Are you, I know we covered it briefly, um, yeah, but I'm no. just curious to hear because it's something that's obviously been discussed a lot, but we haven't we haven't addressed it. Not that we not that anyone's really waiting for us to address the situation, but we haven't talked about we, it ourselves too much. So. Are we releasing a club statement? Are we? Is that what they're, <laughs> they're waiting for? Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just a bit surprised. It all just seems a bit heavy-handed. We obviously don't know the ins and outs of it, but. I have a hard time believing that Chalabar and Hughes are difficult people. So to completely kind of count them out, and in in Hughes's case, I don't know if this is the case with Chalabar, but obviously in Hughes's case, to you know exclude him, demote him to the under twenty threes, it all just seems a bit heavy handed. And I feel like we're in the situation now where he's evidently, you know, we're not going to make him the offer that he wants, Hughes, um, unless someone comes in. You know, he's at a point in his career, was he 26? So he'll turn 27 this season. You know, he's in a great position now to get that big contract, isn't he? Big five-year deal with someone, a lot of money, big signing on fee, you know, fine. Good luck to him. No issue with that. It's football, it happens. Um, But don't cut your nose off in spite of your face, lads. He's still the best midfielder at the football club. Play him. Do you know what I mean? Just can play him, grow up. Chalabar, a bit weird. Yeah. Well, to play devil's advocate on Hughes there, there's also probably an element of Hughes not wanting to play until the situation is Good resolved. point. Yeah, um, no, that's a good point. I hadn't considered that. You're right. Yeah, if Hughes is to train and play and he gets an injury right now, he's really left in a difficult situation. So I think it's fair to not have him involved. Um, it might even honestly, be I think, partly his decision, maybe. I mean... That's it, what I mean. You can imagine him saying, I want to still be able to, you know, train, but I don't want to train with the first team because... You know, I don't well, want and if you're not going to be playing, it. then training with the under-23s is fair. Because if you're not going to be a, a genuine member of the first-team squad, then you shouldn't really be training with them to an extent. 
Um, and look, you know, Hughes's commodity is his ability on the football pitch. If he's injured and he can't perform, he's not earning a contract anywhere or not one that he feels he, he deserves. And as Tom says, rightfully so, it's the, it's the opportunity for the biggest contract of his career. Um, so making sure that you get it right is, is a big thing. I don't think the indication wouldn't be that he would be necessarily heavily against doing so at Watford, but if there are teams that are offering significantly better deals, I also don't think he ought, he has to be particularly tied to us other than the kind of history he has with the club. It's not like he's a Watford fan. It's not like he, he has to be committed to Watford. So there's a lot of moving parts to it. And I wouldn't I wouldn't say that either side is necessarily handling it badly now because it's hard to say. But it, it's something that maybe should have been... I mean, it's so hard, it's so hard to say because there's so many things going on behind the scenes. But you'd like to think this would have been a little bit more prearranged should this situation have uh, have got to this point that you would have some level of decision or some offer on the table preliminary this offer on the table during last season to say look if we get promoted what are your requirements what you know speaking to his agent what what needs to be done to get a deal signed here because we'd like to retain you rather than it feels like we've got to this point now and we're trying to negotiate in the off season and things are moving slowly and the longer this takes the the more beneficial it is the upper hand the other teams have around us and also will Hughes in the situation because his value is uh, his value is still pretty high maybe it's just my naivety but um it wasn't so long ago that will Hughes was saying that he he loved the club and he wanted to 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 stay and play in the premier league so i'm not quite sure what's happened well that's fair then. but we have to we have to also he the agent and Will Hughes will have a value they've put on themselves and the club will have a value they put on him and they have to, they have to meet somewhere. Um, if the club aren't meeting that, then maybe, uh, maybe Will Hughes is asking for too much. Maybe the club are, aren't offering enough. Um, but I, I don't blame the player. The player, has to, the player has to look after his own interests for, first and foremost, regardless of how he feels about the club. He shouldn't undersell himself because he's the only person that suffers for it. Um, if the club don't feel they can they can part ways with the kind of the money required, then that's the decision they have to make. But in terms of Will Hughes, if he feels like his he's gonna have a better career or he's gonna get a better offer from somewhere else, then we can't really begrudge him for that because I'm sure if the circumstances were correct, he probably would resign. Um it it seems that there's still some level of negotiation in place which to me indicates the fact that he's not said outright, look, I'm done with the club, I want to move, like other players have done in the past. I wouldn't say he's not open to it. It just seems increasingly unlikely that we're going to be giving him an offer which is actually satisfactory to him and his uh, representatives. seems like there's four possible outcomes here. Uh, The worst case scenario is that he doesn't find himself uh, a move before the transfer window, but he remains uh, playing with the under-23s. I suppose the best case scenario is probably either he finds himself a move and we get you know a, a decent you know transfer fee for it, or he signs uh, a contract and and it's all wiped under the table. But like you say, Tom, that other option is that potentially he doesn't find himself the move, and Watford and him come to some sort of agreement that he will play for them, you know, playing out his contract until potentially they can get a move sorted in January, but probably for a a smaller transfer fee so it's not it's not great really any of those options in my opinion if you let this deal happen in january it's a disaster i think mm. the it's either the two options you have the two viable or sensible options you have are re-sign in the summer sell in the summer anything after that is is a relative failure in my opinion um and you might get some fee for him uh yeah sure i'm sure you will to some capacity if you're selling in domestically but 
it's not enough because he's a player that's offered us a lot and he's he's been extremely useful for us and he has a, a reasonably high value in our in our mind. So to lose him for less than that is a frustration, a point of frustration for us. And it's something that should have been handled better. Now, I will say these deals are extremely complicated. Lots of things in play, lots of lots of parties involved. It's not just the agent, the player and the club. There's so many other pulling factors in, in different directions. So for us to sit there and make a judgment on the kind of morality of it or kind of what's going on is difficult. Um, I think we should, probably shouldn't die on any hill too hard when it comes to this. But it is a situation that is frustrating as a, from a fan perspective because ultimately when you have a good player that could be contributing now, you want to see him on the pitch because it could come down to a situation where we get relegated by three points and is there, is there a possibility that Will Hughes would earn us three more points in the season? Definitely. So we want to get this done sooner rather than later, I think, no matter how it plays out. What about with regards to Chalaba then? Is it a different person, a different player, a different agent? Um, you know, a different story probably. Yeah, I think Chalber's just, I don't think we rate Chalber as highly, so it's maybe less less important to us in a sense, but same scenario. I mean, effectively, it's someone that could be looking to, to get a move, but I also think Chalber's in a situation where he wouldn't necessarily, I mean, with Will Hughes, we'd think that he could he could make a step up, if not an increased salary step sideways. With Chalber, it really could go either way. It wouldn't be terribly surprising to me if he went to a top end championship team with a decent decent salary decent contract and the potential to kind of improve and, and be that regular player although there's also I'm sure teams around not just the Premier League but also Europe that would be interested in him in some capacity too so he has a little bit of leverage there um, but I imagine that Watford will be trying to look at this deal with Chalba uh, in a very relative way to the Will Hughes situation. I think the impetus to get that deal done will be more dependent on how things are going with Will Hughes because I think in their minds, they're probably only re-signing one. Mm. And I suppose if you're not a fan of Chalaba, you're probably not feeling too happy at the minute because um, it's become quite obvious that people care more about Will Hughes <laughs> than yourself. So, oh, you and the cl- I feel the club feel that too, not just fans. Mm. But I mean, how, how would you feel if you were if you were Chalaba now finding out that it's very... You know, very in your face that um, you know we care more about this midfielder than you. So uh... it's just the game, man. You got to be pragmatic because you have to understand there are going to be. You have to try. It's not, obviously not everyone can do it, but you have to try and accept the fact there are players that are valued more higher than you, and you are valued more higher than some others. And sometimes that can be enough to make a player move, and sometimes they can just be professional and accept that fact and and kind of still work and, and do the job regardless. So. I think from everything I've seen, Chalba seems like a pretty reasonable bloke and I'm sure he's aware of the situation. It doesn't necessarily have to be a negative. The ultimate thing for him will be getting a deal done that suits him and, and can help with his career, career overall, but also something that pays him. And I think he'll find that solution one way or the other. It just depends whether it's with Watford or not. Do you reckon with Chalaba if Hughes, if they get that sorted out, they might there might be a you know improved offer on the table for Chalaba and get that one sorted? You mean if, if we move Hughes on? Yeah, if we get rid of Hughes, might make them. Focus I think their we're slow rolling. I would imagine we're slow rolling the Chalaba thing a little bit until we know what's happening with Hughes. Um, I think Chalaba is definitely more open to re-signing than Hughes is in regards to what offers yeah. being given to him. Is Chalaba um, also training with the under twenty threes, or is he training with the first team? What's the well, story? Well, I, I believe he's training with the first team, and in the pre-match stuff, they said that he was missing through illness, which is obviously very rarely the case when illness crops up in these situations um so i think he's training with the first team but i think honestly if that is the case that would be the annoyance from chalaba 
Um, you might be able to accept these situations for what they are, but if you feel like you're literally having your deal kind of kick, like kick the cans, kick down the road in your deal because they're waiting to see if they can get better, then that would be frustrating in, in some in some ways, of course. But it does feel like that's kind of what going what's going on to me. Well, we'll watch this story as it unfolds. I'm sure we're discussing it again in the next pod. Um, talking about pods, please do follow us at Watford Pod. And um, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, leave us a review on iTunes to let us know uh, what, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and, and we'll try and, and make this show as, as good as it can possibly be. Um, Definitely let us know what we're doing wrong. So like yeah, yeah, let us know what we're doing wrong, please. Um, and it's been a pleasure to record with you guys after so long. Yes, yes. Sorry, it's been a, it's been a while. We've been enjoying our summer just as, um, as much as I'm sure you've been enjoying yours. But we, we brought you a couple of, uh, of pre-match stuff. But This off-season went quick, actually. It did, didn't it? Yeah. There was no off season. Yeah, well, that's true. It was Euros then football, wasn't it? And the Olympics as well. We enjoyed that one. Yeah. If you didn't catch our Olympic podcast, please go over to the Olympic Buzz and catch up on that one for us. Um, (laughs) That daily podcast was good, but it did take its toll, honestly. That was so tough. Getting up at 2am to do it every day as well. I think setting the target of covering every event was just too much. I think next, next time we'll probably try and tone things back a little bit. Um, but yeah, we do appreciate the support for that one, and yeah, yeah, it was great. And honestly, I know like a lot of the viewership or listeners, sorry, will come over from that, from that one. It was quite a lot more successful, wasn't it, than the Watford Buzz? But yeah, just thanks again and for the new listeners that have come over from there. Really yeah, there's a spin-off the as well, there. the Equestrian Buzz, because there were so many people that, that got involved with the. Horse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, that sign was still kind of finding the ropes on a little bit, but it's quite a, it's quite a big podcast community isn't it so there's lots to draw from there and obviously quite a hardcore group of fans there too so yeah the the, the empire you know it's a big empire we're building here that the buzz empire is getting bigger and it's uh it's been a pleasure to be involved in it with you guys and this particular section is only for the fans that stay uh to the very end um this is the after hours part of the podcast this this is the lock-in period um i actually went to the olympics in 2012 to the dressage did you? So, yeah. <laughs> Did you fall asleep? You've, had, you've had to tell us. You've had to tell us that your mum's got a signed sock from one of these. It's <laughs> 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 uh, a story I should have told on the equestrian buzz, really. But yeah, uh, yeah no, I'll, I'll mention it now because it's such a good story. Um, I did go, and it was it was surprisingly enjoyable. So there you are. Oh, well, I, I think I think our first. As, as ridiculous as it is, we actually met, we actually started talking, well, actually, you two have met each other. I've just never met either of you two in person, but it would be nice if Not our yet. first official meeting was at some sort of a question event. I think it'd be quite fitting. That would be nice. <laughs> well, you know, we, what we'll do is we'll get uh, some kind of uh, fund page sorted uh, so that yeah. we can all meet each other one day. Sounds I good. Wonder, I wonder who would like to contribute to that. <laughs> we'll get the Kickstarter going. I'm sure there'd be some interest. <laughs> right okay back to seriousness um thanks again uh for for listening in we'll be back uh, as ever for for every game at least we hope to be i am gonna be away on a holiday but i'm gonna be trying to do this somehow we'll be back we'll be back we'll be we'll be doing it somehow for the next couple of weeks and also leave a review please and a comment is that no that is the same thing leave a review on itunes that'd be great that does help a lot boost up up the algorithm I think. Are you practicing um, for when you're going to be hosting next week, Jordan? That's, that's um, good. I've that's got good. a whole script well. set out for that. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm, I know what needs to be covered. I'm just doing a little bit of housekeeping here at the end. Um, yeah, and then next week we might actually read some of these reviews um, if uh, 
if we feel they're necessary to be read. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, they all are. Why don't, you, why don't you practice by uh, taking us out, Jordan? All right, well, thanks for joining us for the Watford Buzz again. It's been a pleasure to record you guys. Just going to say that again. Thank you. Uh, please tune in next week. We'll be covering Brighton Hove Albion game, hopefully celebrating another victory, second of the season, and we'll speak to you then. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.